0: Time for Talk of the Town with Lisa Kay. Good morning, Albat.
1: Hey Albat, it's Lisa Kay. How are you?
0: I'm great, Lisa Kay. I'm enjoying the day. I hope you are too.
1: I am. It's gorgeous. I, we waited a little while, it seemed like, for it to dry up and sun up and now everything's good.
0: It is. It's. uh, I have beautiful dandelions blooming everywhere, so I can rejoice in that (laughs) each and every day.
1: Do you uh, make dandelion wine or anything like that? Or
0: we eat them once in a while before they flower. I put them in with like lettuce or something, and they. um, You know, I like lettuce, but it's not always a lot of taste there, and uh, some dandelion leaves add a little bit. But you know, if you folks, if you put something on your lawn, you have to be real cautious and eating any of that. And again, you want to do it before it puts out any flowers of any kind, because then it becomes uh, really bitter. But I did have a sip. I had a college roommate whose brother made wine out of uh, cardboard, I think. He made wine out of everything. <laughs> and he gave us a tiny, like, little shot glass of dandelion wine, because oh. he didn't. Why would he waste it on a couple of college kids? So I have tried dandelion wine, and I can uh, honestly and say that I, I have no remembrance whatsoever what it tastes like. So I guess it must have been just. Uh an average glass
1: of wine didn't make much of an impression on you.
0: It didn't. No. no. Huh.
1: Well, I'm trying to think. Uh, since the last time I talked to you about things that are going on in my yard and things that I've seen, um, I don't know if I told you the last time when the when the robins came to build the nest in the same spot that they were in last year, they kicked out the old nest. I found an old nest. It's like they just said, "We're going to take this space." And they took the old nest, which I left there thinking maybe something would re-nest in it, and they shoved it right out, and it ended up on the ground, and they built a new, bigger, better, beautiful, you know, nest, and there it was.
0: (laughs) And sometimes it's, uh, parasites and things can get in an old nest, so sometimes they'll just say, you know, it's just easier starting over. And I think at other times that the pear might be uh, just one half of the pear uh, made it back, because, you know, an average age of a robin is probably two years or so, the the lifespan. Mm. So the new new spousal unit might say, (laughs) you know, we're not building that, we're not using that same nest again, we're starting all over. And with a lot of birds, there is a pair bonding experience. We see it in eagles where they add sticks to a nest, but with other birds, it's building a whole new nest. That's how they really bond, is doing that. So it gets them set up so they're ready to uh, work well together in raising those young robins.
1: I think that in a lot of cases, social media, they say, you know, it's a bad thing. But then, again, all of the things that I've been watching on social media include the things that I uh, keep coming back to, which are are cameras somehow. They must be tiny cameras, but they're put in the corner of birdhouses and they watch the birds build nests. Have you seen these inside the houses?
0: I have. uh, Oh, and the first time I saw that, I was in Nebraska speaking at a thing, and a guy brought in a a video he'd taken of Chimney Swift's nesting in a chimney, and it was just uh, mesmerizing. And uh, since then, I've seen a lot of them, but I remember that first one just saying, this is... This is just incredible, and he was he was just a, I shouldn't say just a guy. He was a farmer down there who just fell in love with chimney swifts and hmm. got some like uh, a camera. It wasn't easy to do it in those days like it is today. There's so many uh, GoPro-like things available, but he rigged up a regular camera to take uh, videos of this, and it was an incredible experience to see it.
1: So does that make us a bird watcher or a birder? What's the difference?
0: You know if I've heard often that a bird watcher looks at birds and a birder looks for birds. Ah. So a bird watcher looks at, and a birder looks for birds. You know, I think uh, anyone can be either one. You can be both. You can define it. You can come up with a new word. You define it. You just define it the way you want. And I don't, uh, I don't think there's a big difference between the two, even though a lot of folks will maintain that there is a great deal of difference. I hear from some folks say, if you you travel to look at birds, then you're a birder. If you stay home, you're a bird watcher. But, you know, how do you define travel? If I walk around my yard looking at birds, am I traveling? I think I'm traveling. I'm putting steps up. My feet are going up and down. I'm traveling. So, I don't know. I guess be (laughs) the one.
1: Well, I know that in the news here they spotted um and I think it was earlier may something called a painted bunting. Did you see this news story?
0: Oh, did I ever and i um uh, I did not see it, and it was on the um <coughs> excuse me, Red Jacket Trail. Yeah. Uh, Rasmussen Woods area. and I talked to a guy who is not a birder, and he just happened to be bicycling by, and he said, uh, saw these people with binoculars and nice cameras, and he stopped, and they told him, of course, what they were looking at, and it flew right down and landed on the trail by him. And he uh, painted buntings are uh, multicolored, I have seen one in Minnesota but not locally here, I would have loved to have seen it. I've seen them in uh, another state or two and they are just incredibly beautiful. Uh, how they end up here? I had a young uh, first spring male summer tanager in my yard and it was uh, red and green and kind of orange. and. And it's usually males that end up here, because they refuse to stop and ask for directions, (laughs) and they just keep going, and then sooner or later, they just figure out, you know, this isn't where I'm supposed to be, and they make a U-turn, and hopefully they go off to live happily ever after, and that's kind of what this painted bunting was, and I'm glad a lot of people got out to see it. Friends sent me photos. But I did get the kick out of this guy, and he was was excited about it. So he told me that he, talking about birders and bird watchers, he is a um, birder watcher, so that's he what I was says, gonna say. I'm just going to watch for birders now, because <laughs> I know if I see them, I'm going to see some good bird, because they'll be looking at it. Right, so he,
1: right. He, I, yeah. I saw that photo of everybody with the binoculars just lined up looking at something, and I thought, well, yeah, that's got to be something to watch. They must know what they're looking at.
0: Yeah, and it, uh, oh, you know, I walk that area a lot, too, and why I couldn't have been walking in on that day or at that time, but, you know, sometimes things, uh, so many things work out that aren't expected, so you, you have to, you have to expect that things don't work out sometimes that you hope for.
1: Al, that, our guest today on Talk of the Town, some questions coming in for you, Al, people wanting to know, what is a thousand-legger? I've never heard of that.
0: Oh, well, when I was a kid, we talked about a thousand leggers. Uh, we all, uh, I was a farm kid, so we, most of us had these. They really weren't basements so much as cellars, and sometimes people fixed up uh, half of the cellar. and Then it became a basement. So they'd put, uh, there were basement refrigerators. Uh, folks had basement refrigerators. And thousand leggers were millipedes. And they had those elongated cylindrical bodies and they had at least 25 pairs of short legs, two pairs per body segments, and they can have more than that. And the legs are held beneath a light brown to black body, and they appear to ripple in waves as it moves. And they feed on decaying vegetable matter, and millipedes do a mini-migration when it's too hot, too cold, too wet, too dry. And there's a uh, nursing home or uh, assisted living place uh, com- combination, and they call me every couple years, and I go down there, and there's just a, it's a huge migration of these millipedes. They're just everywhere, but mm. they want me to see it. We also have centipedes, which we called hundred-leggers. Uh-huh. <laughs> and they had elongated, flattened bodies, and they had fewer than 25 pairs of long legs. And the legs projected laterally from the body, and just behind the head were jaws that contained venom glands used to paralyze insects and spiders and centipedes. Centipedes are beneficial because they control insect populations, but they look like some sort of monster that would appear in a in a sci-fi movie. But yeah, thousand leggers and a hundred leggers so we had a, a cellar full of them.
1: Mm. Well, I know that when I was digging around in the garden, I saw a lot of the pill bugs, and then some of my gardening websites had some relatively uh, newer folks that were saying, oh, do I need to spray for these? And people were like, no, they're beneficial. So, like, you never know what's crawling around on there. Something might be good, something might not be good.
0: Yeah, and we had those in the cellar, too, Lisa. We just, uh, we'd cornered the market on... uh That sort of thing in our cellar. There was, if uh, in the wintertime, sometimes it would get so cold, they'd close my bedroom and move me down in the basement where I slept on a cot. And I was, I never felt lonely down there uh, (laughs) because so many of those things could survive all winter. So I just had things moving around me all the time. So it was, uh, they were good company.
1: Yeah, that's why you're so used to them. That's good. (laughs) I like that. I did see my very first hummingbird at my hummingbird Feeder this year, so I was really excited about that. That happened last week, Um, and then, but but it's just the clear liquid that I've got your recipe that I use for my hummingbird feeder. It doesn't need to be red. People have asked that.
0: That's right, and uh, you know they say, "How big is hope?" I say it's the size of a hummingbird. We just hope to see that hummingbird. And as Lisa mentioned, the the best and the least expensive solution for a hummingbird feeder is a one-to-four solution of refined white sugar to to tap water. So it's a cup of sugar, or a quarter cup of sugar in a cup of water. And you, you can bring it to a boil. Some people don't even do that. They just stir it up. And you can make a large batch. You can refrigerate it. Uh, If you do boil it, you know, you should bring it to room temperature, of course, before you refill the filler. And no red coloring. There's no reason to add red dyes to sugar water as the natural flower nectar is clear. So the red dye is a waste of your trust fund money. Mm -hmm. Just hang on to those. Um, nectar-producing flowers exhibit color in the warm ultraviolet spectrum, which you know, would be yellow, peach, pink, orange, red, purple, those colors. They yield uh, nectars with a sweetness level of 19 to 21 percent, so you're going to be right up there with the sugar water. And so many hummingbird feeders have red caps, bases, or floral decorations more than sufficient to attract the birds, but the color color, I think the color has less attractiveness than we sometimes think. And Mm -hmm. I think what's most attractive is what we put into that feeder. So don't use brown sugar, honey, molasses, uh, artificial sweeteners. I'm probably missing some things. Just use that sugar. And in hot weather, you should probably clean it maybe empty and clean it twice a week. And then in cooler weather, once a week is enough. And so when you're buying, a hummingbird feeder or making a hummingbird feeder it's a swell idea to have one that you will find easy to clean.
1: So if you see bees around your hummingbird feeder is that a problem for the hummingbirds the size difference isn't I mean it's it's there's a size difference definitely but do they fight each other?
0: You know, as we get a lot of things on there, don't we? Ants and bees and flies and uh, oh gosh, everything else. It's a, uh, a kind of a standoff sometimes between hummingbirds and some of the bees. They can kind of. I notice later in the summer and early fall, honeybees will sometimes are kind of running out of their food, so they come in to uh, feeders, hummingbird feeders, and they will take over just by sheer number, so they can be problematic, but this time here, I don't notice that at all, and ants, hummingbirds just kind of flick them off or ignore them. If the flies are small enough, they eat them, so they mm. like flies. So I I don't see the problem this time of year. Again, later in the year, the bees just kind of take over. And I'm happy to have the bees there. I love honey. so I love honey bees. So I I just want them all to share. I'll maybe put up a couple more hummingbird feeders and hopefully just kind of spread them out so everybody can eat.
1: So somebody wants to know how many times a skunk can spray. Is it like, you know, when they say a bee stings, then it dies? And is a, does a skunk have? A yeah, and a,
0: as a guy, sure, I've mentioned many times how many times I've been sprayed. So <laughs> uh, skunks, you know, skunks can't run oh, ten miles an hour, maybe. So what do they have to do? They have to spray instead. And they stomp their feet, they click their teeth, they raise their tails. They've warned me enough times, and then they hold their ground, or they would run right directly towards a threat. And skunks can spray when they're a month old and it can they say you can smell skunk spray a mile and a half away. So when we smell that skunk, he could be a long ways away where he got hit on the road. And they can spray five or six times before needing to replenish. So we're not talking like a John Wayne six-shooter here where you can get 114 shots out of it without reloading. They get five or six. Mm. And then supposedly they take eight to ten days, something like that, to refill. And we think they're not vocal, other than flower in the movie Bambi or Pepe Le Pew of cartoon fame, but they can squeal, chirp, whimper, whine, grunt, and they can really smack their lips. Huh. And I was given a bath in tomato juice. It's not an effective way to get rid of a skunk's stench. <laughs> it just masks the smell. So the best thing is, like your dog gets it, you take a quarter cup of baking soda and a quart of that 3% hydrogen peroxide and then one or two teaspoons of your favorite liquid dish detergent. And mix it up, uh, keep out of eyes of whatever you're bathing, your dog. And don't store the stuff. It's uh, it could be volatile, but and you can look those figures up online. But uh, it does work. I've used it on dogs. The only thing, uh, if you have a long-haired dog like we did, it, you could get them smelling perfect. And then they would go out in the rain and become a wet dog, and then you could smell <laughs> the remnants of that skunk smell.
1: You can also smell the wet dog a mile away, yeah, too, right. sometimes. Um, somebody asking about seeing a cardinal at one time in the winter with no tail. What could have happened to it, and does it grow back?
0: We had one in our yard, too, and uh, you just think, boy, he's got he's got a cold butt in this <laughs> yeah. cold weather. That's just not, uh, it's not comfortable when that happens. So the might have a, This cardinal might have avoided capture had its tail frozen to a perch or been caught in something. And they do something called a fright molt. So all the tail feathers are simultaneously ejected from their follicles in an escape, leaving the predator with a mouth or talons full of feathers or a puff of feathers left behind. And the tails grow back quickly, but if the feather is broken and not pulled out, it remains broken until the next molt. So if the feather is pulled out at the root, regrowth starts immediately. And tailless birds can survive this slight disadvantage. I would guess it would... uh, It would have an impact on their maneuverability and probably uh, would increase the energy they're using on a cold winter night just to stay warm.
1: Hmm. All right. Well, uh, and then one more question for you today. Uh, It looks like somebody wants to know about buffalo gnats. Are those different than regular? What are buffalo gnats?
0: Buffalo gnats, you know, black flies bite people and many animals. I was at a softball tournament, uh, gosh, 2019 or so at Caswell in Mankato, and they drove us to madness there. Uh, Only the females bite, just like mosquitoes, and they search for a meal of blood. Black flies are also called gnats, turkey gnats, white socks, or buffalo gnats. And there's like 30 species of them in Minnesota. Uh, We found repellents, you know, maybe were effective for some people, gave some help, but not for most of us. I think vanilla works best for me, just like vanilla extract and black flies or buffalo gnats are found around fast flowing rivers and streams and their larvae live in the water anchored to rocks where they filter food from the current and they're most numerous in the mississippi and rum rivers but there's smaller numbers occurring in the minnesota and crow rivers mm. and they're active from may to october and uh, a friend of mine was sitting on one of those uh, nice chairs bag chairs that we all take to ball games and he was just covered with them, and he said, I feel like a piece of meat. Oh. So, it was, so there were a lot of them there that day. Buffalo
1: gnats, weird. I've never heard that uh, that fl- that saying before, but that makes sense. I think they
0: could take down a buffalo <laughs> after having uh, <laughs> that, experienced them.
1: That's uh, what it must feel like, right? It does. Um, yeah. Do you have good plans for the memorial weekend?
0: Yeah, we're of course going to visit uh, a lot of the, the cemeteries. I'm not speaking at any of them this year. I do every other year. Mm. Uh, speak at a few of them. And so we're just going to honor uh, friends and family and in all the ways we can. And Maybe we'll um, you know, find a little place to have a picnic. I, I love picnics because ants and dirt just taste better outside. <laughs> they certainly do.
1: Al Bat, thank you so much for your time today. Have a great weekend and we'll talk to you next month.
0: Thanks, Lisa. Thanks everyone for listening.